Hello and welcome to Lord Clark and Friends, episode number nine. I'm Lord Clark and I'm here with Lord Cran. You want to say anything? Yes, let's uh, get things off to a good start. A lot of go- a lot of things going on in the news, huh? Yeah, well, it's a ton going on after the election. Uh, where do you want to get started? I know we were talking about a few things, but um, what well, do you want to get started on? I'm trying to get my head around this whole Guantanamo Bay thing, okay? Okay. I poking around, been you know doing a little research, trying to figure out. There are a bunch of people out there who want this thing closed, and somehow this Obama guy, uh, president-elect, whatever, right, uh, seems to think or seems to want to close this place. Yeah. And the question on my mind is, why? Well. You know, he's so for, you know, no waterboarding, no torture, no anything on that matter, that from what I've heard, they want to not only close Guantanamo Bay, but they want to bring it, bring all of the people who we still want to hold and put them on trial in the United States for crimes. Are these people criminals? In my mind, I thought the whole reason for opening Guantanamo was it was a prisoner of war camp. Well, if they're prisoner of wars, why don't we just kill them? Well, that, I guess, violates the Geneva Convention, but we haven't completed our war in Afghanistan, where most of those people are from. So I don't understand why we would be putting them on trial if they're prisoner of wars. Now, there is some other detainees that are kind of that middle ground detainee that, you know, are detained because they did criminal actions against the United States, but since they didn't do it on our territory, and Guantanamo Bay is kind of a no-man's land as far as uh, legality is concerned, you know, you can get away with a little more, supposedly. But from most of the people there are enemy combatants, and so therefore they're they are just, you know, crim- prisoners of war. But all right. Well, is it going to cost us any more or less to bring them here? It's going to cost or... us a ton more because he he also wants to give them all public defenders. And then let's not even get into the fact that now that you have public defenders, they're all going to want to do discovery against. Uh, see, you know, stuff that is CIA black material. So, okay, so, so let's say I don't understand how, how things are in the economy today, specifically with these people you're speaking of known as public defenders. <laughs> okay, how do they relate, say, uh, compared in the food chain? I mean, do they get paid a little more than Mickey D's workers or maybe a little less than Starbucks people? Are they hurting? Are they hurting for work? No, public defenders usually are not hurting for work because they are people in the in the line of business that is I defend criminals that can't afford trial. So if you can't afford a lawyer, well one will be provided for you. So a public defender is a guy that they provide for you. They're usually uh, fresh out of college lawyers, so they're not good trial lawyers. They're not uh, expensive. Well, they're not expensive lawyers, but they are expensive compared to a Mickey D's worker. Uh, 
Okay. Okay. I, I see your point. You know, okay. I mean, uh, they they might be online with a Mickey D's manager, you know, oh. store manager. Okay. Except that they don't get a company car. Right. <laughs> okay. So what does this mean to us? I mean, why would we care? Um. Well, okay. There's there's a few things that I think I care about. First, uh, we are treating the we are giving these people a little bit too many rights in our legal system. They are enemy combatants. They are not. We're treating them wrong. They should be held in a military court if they need to be charged with some military crime, not a civilian court. He wants to move everything into a civilian court. Um. First and foremost, our civilian courts are kind of overwhelmed with what they've got going on inside the U.S. They don't need to be—you don't need to be adding crap onto those those courts. Well, that are, wait a second. I got a quick question. Then, I mean, if it's costing us to keep these people around, yeah. can't we trade them to another country for, say, some barrels of oil? Uh, nobody else wants them. First of all. Well, don't they have a country of origin other than us? Uh, uh, deport them or export them or put them on eBay or well, the, well, the thing is, is you have to, you should, if they're enemy combatants, return them to the country that they were fighting for. Okay. Afghanistan. Well, the war in Afghanistan isn't over. By any stretch of the imagination, Afghanistan isn't over. So, so can't we just drop them off at the border and turn around? Well, they'll go right back into the combat roles of, do you want them fighting against my or your troops again? Oh, okay, so their people still want them. It's not like they'd shoot them. No, they they're, they try to get them to blow themselves up oh, trying to kill okay. Americans. These are people who are trying to, actively trying to kill Americans and are actively at war against America. Okay. Um, so we they're detain bad. them. They're yeah. bad. Well, yeah. Whatever you know, I don't. <laughs> I you know, there. I don't know how we should classify them. There are people we are at war with, though, and in that classification, people you would want to go and have a cup of coffee with, right? Because they'd probably try to blow up the coffee shop. That's the type of people we've got detained there. You know. Okay. And, and we're being nice and supplying them with Korans and prayer rugs, though we don't have to. <clears throat> Would we have to supply more of those if they were to come stateside? If they came stateside, oh, there's a whole legal nightmare that, you know. Well, which states are going to say, not in my backyard, and which ones are going to say, give us your weary terrorists? Well, <laughs> you know, then there comes the whole, there's a whole series of questions here. Like, Texas is one of those states which likes to house other people's prisoners, <laughs> okay, because they make a profit on it. Yeah. Um, they don't mind building jails. They don't mind jailing people. Um, the problem is, is what do you do with these people once you get them here? Do you put them in general population, you know, where people with shanks and shivs can can have at them? I mean, there are a few patriotic people in prison. And wouldn't mind getting them with their hands on a Muslim terrorist. So you're suggesting there is honor amongst thieves? Uh, yeah, I do. 
Okay. Hey, look, there's a whole gang system amongst thieves. There's definitely honor. Uh, it's just not the honor that you think honor is, or that our listeners may think honor is. It's a different kind of honor. Uh, and some of them are affiliated with uh, political parties. With political parties, with uh, political causes. Yeah. Um, you know, the Aryan Brotherhood comes to example, comes to oh, mind. I was, thinking, I was thinking of the Democratic Party, actually. Oh, um, yeah, you. but I can actually see the Democrats being outraged by the fact that these people were put into general population and they got shanked and killed faster than they would have in the battlefield on Afghanistan. Well, couldn't they possibly be depriving them of some of their benefits that they're expecting to get? Uh, well, this is the other thing. They want to give them the right to have been, have, have been, I don't even know how to pronounce it, habeas, cor, habeas corpus, habeas yeah. corpus, whatever it is. Uh, and they want to give those those people right to habeas corpus, which is, uh, you know, right to a fair trial and all of that, and a trial of your peers. Yeah. Um, and but I can't figure out who their peers are. I mean, do you put a whole bunch of terrorists in the jury, ex-terrorists? Well, you know, do that, we? That can be arranged, I guess. I mean, uh, we can get the number for Billy Ayers from Obama, can't we? Yeah, we can. Yeah, you got uh, uh, Mr. Wright there, Reverend Reverend Wright. Well, yeah, well. he might know some people. Oh, and you know, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson. Well, he's a world traveler. He knows, he knows all sorts of people. Right, and then you got to get Al Sharpton because if they're any any type of black, you know, you got to have Al Sharpton around. Uh, oh. Okay. Um. So, I I'm not really sure. This seems like it's a whole world of issues that President Bush was able to get around it by conveniently storing them in a in an undefined location. Uh, well, he had enough people ticked off at him about this war that it didn't matter what the issues were. He could always just keep talking about the war. Right. Or, or, or bailouts or uh, terror. All, you know, all this fun stuff that has made the last uh, eight years kind of amusing. But the, I think the thing that's coming here is they they're hamstring. He wants to hamstring our CIA. And basically, what's going to happen out of all of this is is they're going to be people asking for CIA intelligence operatives' names. And at that point, we're going to be kind of we're going to be hosing our intelligence operatives if we have to give out their names in public to become public record. What What do you think about the perhaps consolidation of some of these crazy? Uh, agencies that we have. I mean, couldn't you very easily just combine CIA, FBI, and NSA all into one like one organization? Um, you should, but I think it's one of those things that we must be very careful about. Yeah. Uh, being a conservative, I have some conservative thoughts on it. Giving the CIA rights to hunt down people inside the United States can be very dangerous. And that's where I think where we have to have pause in why that the organizations kind of need to be split. Yeah. 
Now, from what I understand is if foreign nationals are doing something in the United States, it's fine for the CIA to go hunt them down. The FBI is job is to hunt down internal things. It's to be the national police force. Uh, which kind of raises a whole lot of other questions. Um, and then the NSA, that's the one that's kind of a little more shady and a little more... I thought that was more to do with computer crime than anything else, or digital crime and security as far as that is concerned, than actively being in the field. So, in reality, the NSA should be the if you really wanted to combine it all, it should all be combined into the NSA. Okay. Um, because they have inside and outside powers. Um. Well, see, there has been a little bit of talk lately. I guess on uh, change.gov, Obama's site, yeah. they're talking about having mandatory community service for for people, you know, or for like kids, I would guess high school age or whatever. Um, as part of some sort of Obama youth organization. Uh, I don't know. It seems very fuzzy. Yeah. And what's scary. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm just wondering what changes are coming where we got to sort of, you know, be a little more careful and say, hey, we got to well, look out. Some bad stuff could be coming. Become of this. Uh, yeah. especially, yeah, mandatory things from the federal government become very dangerous. Um, another one of the things that he's really, uh, got out there is they want to take all of the 401ks and all of the, all of that kind of material and make it part of the social security system. Okay, can I opt out of this whole social security system? Um, I want to opt out. I don't know, and I'm wondering, <laughs> am I going to be forced to contribute to my 401k now, that, or my 403, that, uh, that now I can't even control, I don't have any choice on where the money goes? Huh. You know, I'm kind of getting kind of concerned about that, but that's well, another one of these things that uh, they're, they're talking about. Um, well, you know, I, I'm paying down on a mortgage right now. Right. And over the past five years or so, I really haven't been contributing to retirement, mainly because I, you know, don't feel like it's really going to be there for me. And maybe it's short-sighted, maybe not, but it hasn't looked like good economic times lately. Right. So one thing I've done is I've been, you know, applying more principal to my home. Now, we got this whole bailout thing going on, and I don't want to talk about this issue a lot, but I just want to get to one specific point that is absolutely infuriating to me. Right. They made the news today that, okay, well, uh, one of the banks, I think it was Citi, yep. is trying to find a way to work with the mortgage people, people who uh, work with uh, people who are about to be foreclosed. Right. Okay. Let's now, see. for the for the past five years, I've been paying on my mortgage a six percent interest, roughly. It doesn't matter. It's a little more, a little less. Doesn't yep. matter. Yep. These these people who are unable to pay for their mortgages for two years, they're going to cut them a break, and they're going to give them 
a mortgage at 1% interest. Okay? And I'm like, well, I've been doing the right thing by paying my mortgage on time, never missing a payment, being a good taxpayer as well. Uh-huh. And yeah. yet I am not, you know, getting this benefit of a 5% interest discount for a couple of years. It doesn't seem exactly fair to me. I think there's actually going to be some sort of... I want to say there is some sort of response that they're going to get in their credit rating that you're not going to have. So when it comes time to get another loan somewhere, like a car loan, for you, you will have you. It will be noted that you didn't have a problem with your in interest, or you haven't had a problem with the banks, yeah. and you will be able to get a, a car loan. Whereas the guy next to you who couldn't pay his mortgage and got it got it relieved because the government gave Citigroup a bunch of money to do that. And remember, it's not only Citigroup who is doing this, but Bank of America, because. Bank of America bought Countrywide Financial. Now, the interesting part here is is my big my big laugh about Bank of America cutting people breaks on their mortgages uh, that Countrywide made and lost all the money. Bank of America paid almost nothing for Countrywide and is going right. to reap the benefits hugely from no matter what money they get from Countrywide people paying their mortgages. Bank of America doesn't want those houses. Bank of America just wants money keep coming in the door. So, uh, in a business sense, I'm kind of glad to see that the the businesses are changing people's mortgages, because I think as we've talked about previously, the real scary part is letting the courts do this. Yeah. So the foreclosure courts are going to be less likely to want to change the terms on people's mortgages when the banks are already set up a system to do that for for them. Yeah. So the foreclosure court's going to say. Wait a minute! You didn't even make a uh, an attempt to try to work this out with the bank. Why should I give you any more leniency? Hopefully, um, in your mortgage because you couldn't pay for six months. Where the bank was saying, "Well, hey, if you can pay anything, you put five dollars in the mail. Uh, we'll accept that as a payment so that you won't get behind, too far behind." Now, I also think that the banks are, you're going to find coming out of this, there's going to be some sort of extension in the length of these loans. I cannot see that they're just going to get away with less interest for a length of time. No, obviously they're going to want to try to be profitable, but then again... Well, they're profitable no matter what at this point. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is when, when banks have, you know, get stuck with a foreclosure situation... Right. What really is going on is they want something so that they don't have to take a complete loss. Right. So as long as they're getting something, something's better than nothing, and maybe they can, you know, because they're a bank and they have more brains than the people who they're lending to, Yeah. they're going to try to take the money and make something with it that maybe they'll break even or do a little better than that. Well, they they also, the banks do also have a sort of unsaid but kind of thing. These low-end customers here, who are yeah. people who can barely make their mortgages, are the most profitable customers the bank will ever have. Okay. Okay? Yeah. 
like getting somebody to to default on their debt but trying to string them along to pay just barely above defaulting uh becomes super profitable for the bank and the bank also has the benefit of declaring something both an asset and a liability at the same time right yeah they're a liability in the fact that they may just stop paying altogether right um <laughs> but on the on the off chance that they can get them to keep paying no matter what and just continue to pay and continue to pay and this situation is setting up for these banks that they're going to be able to with some government help now Citigroup's like hey here's free 25 billion dollars from the government and then i'll just go play nice with these people and i'll get them to continue to pay well i just wrote off 25 billion dollars they're bad debt that means no matter what these guys give me even if they're giving me five bucks a month i'm making a profit off of them Okay, so if they can get, as long as they're solvent and can keep their bank status, you're going to see these guys. Yeah, but if you look at it the other way around. In okay, two years, they're going to they're gonna start making a fortune again. The government, okay, is basically using the taxpayer as a guarantor on these loans that they're giving to the banks. Yes, so again, the good person who's paying all of his bills and all of his taxes on time gets hosed. So yeah. that, and this goes back to we, you know, it's time to really think about trying to put a national ballot on there about rate lowering the income tax, or going to some sort of other system where the income taxes need to be starting to be removed, because yeah. we need to, st you know, the government can't just wildly spend our money like this now there is one other good thing about all of this crisis that's coming down and what's that um the chinese just decided to uh throw america a bone and get rid of 500 uh, billion dollars worth of our debt uh they're gonna infuse 500 billion dollars of uh u.s cash back into you in the united states really they're just gonna give it away oh do you know what this means though it's giving money away no, no, no. What this means is exactly what they did about 10 years ago. Yeah. And that, that is force uh, inflation to occur. Well, that I think they're actually trying to avoid. Because, remember, their money is pegged to ours. So they do, they, what they're trying to do is to stop our money from being devalued. Because their money is pegged at 60% of our money. So yeah. they've got a problem here. If we... We collapse and our final system, financial system collapses here and the United States completely collapses. And there's a void where the United States financial system was. Yeah. They get very heavily hosed alongside us. Okay? Because their money becomes worthless alongside of ours. Yeah, but they, they're accelerating the worthlessness of our money. Well, actually, no, they're not. They're giving us, they're giving money back to us. So they're taking money that was in circulation and removing it from circulation by giving it back to us. No, they're adding it to circulation. Mm, it was in circulation, so it was debt we owed that they're forgiving. So they're well, taking down the national debt by $500 billion. Well, when you say they're... they're uh, <laughs> it's a matter of how you look at it, really. Right, I mean, well, okay... they are giving it back to us, are we, are we taking it and burning it all? No, okay. no, what they're doing is they're burning it into our economy. They're putting it back into the economy. Okay, so it's causing inflation. 
in a certain way, or it's it's securing the economy by using some of our debt to secure our economy so we can continue paying our debt. The last thing they want is us to stop paying our debt. Now, do we? Is it still okay to call them Red China? Are they red? Well, they're they're technically red, but they don't act. They they barely act like it. Are they still socialist? I think the best way to put them is is they are a. Uh, I think the the only thing you can compare them to now is an elected monarchy. It's a single party system. They're electing a monarchy. Basically, they're electing people who are in the noble class to rule them. That's not unlike how we get our local politicians, right? Uh, right. Okay. So instead of being true communist anymore, which the the communist party rules it, they're kind of the communist party rules it, but they've become sort of a ruling class, noble class that, and they act more like a monarchy. They're not. They're not all about, you know, people have jobs and they kind of understand, you know, like yeah. people can move around jobs. They're not just given government jobs anymore. They they kind of look the other way when they have to get people into the com- factories from the from the farmland these days, things like that. They just, they just can't have more than one kid and they just can't protest openly. Right. Okay. So it's more like a elected monarchy than anything else. Is the best way to put it, because they're more capitalist than they are communist at this point, and their yeah. people like modern new things. And, and their their economy is growing. They're actually in a growth mode now, right? Right. Well, they but their growth is slowing. So instead of growing at twelve, thirteen percent, twelve and a half to thirteen percent, they've now slowed down uh, to nine percent for this year, and yeah. it looks like next year is going to be slower growth than that. Um, Yay, I know. Woo-hoo. Yeah, well, the problem is, is you can't grow if you've got no one to sell to. I mean, they can do internal growth, and that's what's going to continue them growing while we're in a contract contraction mode. Yeah. But at some point, if our money, you know, if we don't continue to buy their products, right. they can't continue to grow. So again, they have to. Ha- they almost have a fiduciary responsibility to their companies to maintain the U.S.'s appetite of con- consumption of their goods. It's a very uh, twisted system here, yeah. where it's sort of we are really becoming Rome at the height of its power, or on the back end of the height of its power, where we haven't completely lost our power. And it's clearly shown and demonstrating on how much we are crushing the euro and the pound right now. That um, and places like Iceland, where our economic problems destroy their economy completely, um, what we're seeing now is this: uh, seeing that as we have a problem, it shakes out to everybody who supplies us. So, is it safe to say that even if we wanted to, we couldn't bail out China? Uh, there'd be no need to. Oh. But China does has a vested interest in not seeing us be completely useless because yeah. we buy too many of their goods. So it would destroy their economy for us to stop buying their goods. 